tremendous looking trophy. What's going on guys? Welcome to episode 17 of Platinum Explosion, the number one PlayStation podcast in the Oceanas. I'm John Peck. Joining me this week, we have Ashley Hobley. What's up everybody? We also have Kieran Marchant. Hi, hi. And Jack Cruz, keeping the streak alive. Plat, plat. That's it. So Dylan is away again this week, so I'm sitting in oh. the hosting chair. Uh, I think this is my second in three weeks, right? So Yeah, it's slacking off. Yeah, that's good for me. We're just auditioning you for the permanent role. Yeah. I, yeah. I enjoy hosting. I do like it when Dylan's here, though. Let Jono host. Makes things... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let's get straight into it. The uh, I guess the newsiest thing that's happened this week is the delay of Nino Cooney. We will just kind of touch on that and Ugh. share our thoughts. Is anyone as disappointed as I am, or are we kind of generally apathetic about uh, Sony delays at this point? No, I was pretty yeah. keen. It was it was hitting in an interesting spot, end of November, wasn't it? Mm. Originally, so uh, yeah, well, love the first one. I actually didn't finish it, but I. <laughs> Remember it very fondly, and uh, I was pretty keen to get, play this new one, but uh, mm. delays are always good. They always turn out better, so you can't really complain too much. I'd already it's not like so, we're short on games. But. I'd already prepared for the worst. It, yeah. was, it was almost too good to be true that it was going to come out in November. Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd already prepared that it was probably going to get delayed. It's one of those things. It happened with Final Fantasy. It happened with Mass Effect. It happened with everything, so... Persona 5, mm. yeah. yeah. Persona. Anything big, Anything big it's it's like, inevitable, mm. yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I mean yeah, I'm at that point now as well. It's just like games will come out when they come out, and like yeah, I don't yeah. even give me a release date. It doesn't mean anything to me. I like I'll, I'll pick up the game when it's out in the store. Like I I pre-ordered and have fully paid off my collector's edition for South Park: The Stick of Truth, and I'm <laughs> I'm well prepared for that to be a, a PS5 launch game at this point in time. Yeah. So <laughs> not like you know you take take anything with a grain of salt as far as release mm. dates. And honestly, when it when it was yeah, I was not surprised. Um, same thing like that old quote. Uh, you know, a delayed game can be eventually good, but a bad game is bad forever. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I misquoted that, but I think close enough. Along, yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines. So, I mean, yeah, I'll play it when it comes out. Um, similar to Ash, I, I played it on PS3, but never finished it. Um, I'll be interested to see how the how it sort of turns out mm. in the end if we yeah. eventually get it. I kind of forgot that it was coming out altogether. <laughs> so when I saw the news, it was like, ah, yeah. but you know. It's yeah. one of those things. It's there's so many other games to play. I'm not going to be crying about it. And I think that seems to be the general consensus of the internet at this point. Yeah, very mature. Much. Yeah, it's uh, not No Man's Sky, so no one's getting death threats yeah. over it. <laughs> yeah, we we kind of know what it's going to be, and it, we know that it's something that, that will be worth waiting for. So let's see how that goes. Did they, well, did that, they say when the it was pushed to? Or it was just I think January, was it? wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was January, January. which I really, yeah. I kind of, I like that January slot. Like yeah. Resident Evil killed it in that like end of January, start of Feb slot. So it's nice yeah. to have a game there. It's not a massive delay; it's just a little bump. Cool. And yeah. uh, the other major news, I guess, is Kingdom Hearts getting a release date of the wide bracket of 2018. <laughs> I'm not a big Kingdom Hearts guy, so I was going to kind of... Why couldn't they this. have said that at E3? <laughs> I was going <laughs> to brush over this, but it looks like uh, you two, Kieran and, and Ash specifically, are big fans of the series, so what, what was what was your reaction? I was happy that there cool. was Toy Story. Like, there, there was rumours of what yeah. the, the world was going to be, that they said they were announcing a world, so there was all these rumours that it could be Toy Story, it could be Frozen... Um, mm-hmm. it could be a lot of t- like properties they've recently brought out so and I'm really excited it was Toy Story it's about time there was a Pixar freaking um, game in Kingdom Hearts um, I th- the only thing that jaded me was a little bit I didn't like it was the Japanese only version um, for that the game just, yeah. so it was like ugh. for the trailer yeah, yeah so I can't tell if yeah. the voice actors for the Toy Story characters are any good or anything <laughs> or even for Sora and all the regular Kingdom Hearts games. Because didn't Sora's been mm. Sora's apparently Hallie has been Je- changed as well. So um. yeah, apparently Haley Joel Osment isn't doing yeah. Sora. Hmm. Well, Haley Joel start- Osment's like a forty-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> did he start doing voices when he was a kid? And- yeah, that's pretty crazy. He did. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I was, it wouldn't have been a kid. I'll- he would have been like early twenties. It would have been. Like, yeah. yeah. Honestly, not, you look at that cast. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Don't get too excited about Those this games. game. Haley Joel Osmond's child might be able to play as a voice actor by the time this game comes out. <laughs> yeah. Who here actually believes it's coming out in 2018? None of chance. Not me. 
If it happens, I will be so overjoyed and ecstatic. But honestly, I think I'm. Re- I wouldn't mind if it doesn't come out next year because next year is already such a big year for games. So I feel I- I'm yeah. a bit worried that I'd lose Kingdom Hearts in that year. There's a mm. lot of stuff coming out next year. Um, you know, if, yeah, if, it's going to be a good year. If things come out next year, Spider Man. You know, uh, God of War. Pretty much Days every Gone, Sony exclusive, apparently. Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Detroit. No, Detroit's not. I don't think Detroit's coming out. Uh, <laughs> you nor do I say like 2020 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Nor do I think The Last Guardian is coming out. Not Last Guardian, sorry. Um, Shadow. Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> sorry. Remake. Shadow of the Colossus remake is not coming out next yeah. year either. So. Yeah, Last Guardian's um, not coming out next year either. So. No, you're yeah, right. You're right. It, you're right. It came out last you're year. You're right. The first time they've done that. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. Yeah, I think next year will shape up to be. Like a year we compare to 2015 when we look at mm. big release years. Like this year's probably been a little disappointing. Like it had such a great start and then it's kind it's of been sporadic off a lot. Yeah, yeah, had, it has been. Has it not been sort? Of, I mean, even and even the big things that were, you know, the big anticipated games have been letdowns. Um, you some know, Andromeda, them, yeah. Andromeda, the sort of the big one, obviously mm. that that came out and and you know fizzled and a much loved franchise that sort of didn't live up to the hype. Um, and then there's been a spattering of other things that have come out. Obviously, Crash has been really well received, and um, Neo came yes. out. I believe Neo was this year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Neo was this and, year. Yeah, and Neo, yeah. and Neo, so, and, and Horizon, March, and Persona yeah. Five, and, and Zelda. But we won't talk and Zelda. about that. <laughs> and Zelda, it's PlayStation. Uh, <laughs> Actually, maybe yeah. There's been some pretty good games that came out. This it's year. just yeah, this it was very front. Months. It was very front loaded. Like, it's just at the moment yeah, it feels like there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. We've got some great third party games coming out later, but it's not like. It's not on par with, as I mentioned, 2015 and what it looks like next year is going to be. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of next year yeah. and trailers, Spider-Man. It wasn't really a trailer as much as a behind-the-scenes uh, look at, at, the, at the development team that got <laughs> dropped on yesterday. Yeah, mm. um, I think there was got a couple Jimmy's snippets. Wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> a couple snippets of new footage. What did you guys think? Um, I mean... I was firm before. I'm like full bar now. <laughs> I thought you no, were a little cool. it was, uh, lukewarm after the E3 trailer, though, Jack. I remember no, thinking it, just, it, it didn't, was a lot. It, yeah, no, it didn't. It just didn't do anything more for me. The E3 trailer, but this this one probably did more for me than that did. Just have, hearing the developers talk about it, and and not you know, Insomniac are a well credentialed studio who make great games and have a have a you know a vast sort of category uh, category um catalog of of have work behind them that you know that sort of speaks for itself but just hearing them speak about it and the passion that they speak with it um just reaffirmed my you know my belief in the game and then think you know a little bit of like extra stuff in there about you know this is an older peter you know 23 Mm. they said he is um little bits and pieces like that bit about the villain and that kind of thing so um yeah i just especially probably even more so after seeing homecoming last week i'm just Really, I'm on a Spider-Man high. Yeah, I'm on a. Yeah, I am. I'm Need on some a of that Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Need some of that Spider-Man. Anybody? <laughs> you got any more of that Spider-Man? <laughs> so now I just have to wait until Good 2018 stuff. for it. What do you guys think, Ash and Kieran? Uh, yeah, it was just more of the same. It's great to see the passion that they've got. It, the most important thing is they've clearly got a vision for what they want to do mm. with Spider-Man mm. in this game. Yeah. So as long as they stick to that, it should be good. That car scene, yeah. that little car thing looked pretty cool, which I think was yeah. like part bit of the only new footage in that. I really what liked was that exactly. The, um, I really liked it was a twenty three year old Peter Parker's like just because I'm I'm slightly yeah. over playing games or watching movies where it's <clears throat> it's Peter starting out and he has to learn everything and you're gonna learn it with him. And this time it's mm. like a no, this is Peter. He knows what he's doing. Like he's not gonna be surprised by any new powers or anything. He knows what's going on now. Um, yeah. My, my only thing is, did it come up. off to any of you guys like uh, a bit of a PR almost exercise from Insomniacs to say um, for people that were a bit down on the E3 trailer, like to bring this trailer out and be like, "Hey, look, our developers, our team is really passionate about this." Where people were a bit worried with what the direction of the game was going to be, with say like the quick time events and mm. what was shown. Mm. Yeah, I did find it odd that they released this so close to E3. It's like like when I heard a uh, new trailer's been put out, I was like, huh, like that was only not even like it was a month ago that mm. we saw this whole big chunk of 
footage, you'd think they would try and space it out a little bit more. So I didn't know if it was part of like a you know campaign that they're just doing across the board releasing. Uh, like yeah. it had nothing to do with the Kingdom Hearts one, did it? Because I know they're both kind of no. Disney, the, well, it was part oh, of G twenty three. Yeah, it was Disney part of the Disney event. celebration. So yeah. I, it could could go either way. Um, it could be it could either be this is something they had planned just as a little snippet for the Disney mm. event, or it could have been yeah that they wanted to um, you know, put something yeah. in there to sort of keep that that hype train rolling along and sort of yeah, I guess. Maybe put some some dousing on some flames of the you know the the people bit down on the um, the trailer from E3 with the quick time events and all that kind of thing. Yeah. What was the car thing you mentioned, Ash? Yeah, there was just a part where he caught a car, which was pretty right, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm much the same <laughs> as, as as you guys in the sense that it's cool to see the devs talking about it not as like a game, but like as a passion and mm. a, a consideration for the you know the. Uh, legacy of Spider-Man and what those stories mean to people and, you know, keeping those themes really front and centre in this game. And I, yeah. I, I got vibes like... And the best thing they can do is make this like the Spider-Man version of Ar- Arkham Asylum to me. Like, And that's mm. kind of what Which, I feel like they're doing. Yeah, it kind of looks like yeah. they are, aren't they? Just mm. everything. And like, and I, I like the... Like, when they sort of touched on... Um, you know, he won't be finding out any new powers or anything like that. Yeah. He's pretty comfortable with his powers, but they didn't say anything about gadgets. And this, he, even just in, in the footage we've seen, it seems to be like he has a lot of gadgets, like little things that stick to the walls and little bombs that react and pull the, the two um, enemies together and stuff yeah. like that. So knowing Insomniac and they're big on their gadgets and guns and stuff like that and bombastic yeah. sort of tools that you get to use in, mm. in the games, it'll... Um, It'll, I think that'll be the thing that they build on. So you won't probably get powers, but you'll you'll upgrade your web shooters and you'll get you know yeah. a web bomb and some. There's got to be that cool kind stuff. of stuff in there somehow to keep things oh, for sure. interesting. And, yeah, exactly. and like looking at it, looking at it as it is in that gameplay demo, it looks really daunting. And oh, wow, there's so many different moves and different like ways to interact with the environment. So I'm guessing that they'll teach that to the player slowly, like in most yeah. of these kinds of games. I imagine it'll be pretty sort of after the first 15 minutes you'll sort of have a and it'll be one of those things there'll probably be skills and stuff that you won't use at all you know mm. like they are in the yeah. Arkham games and then there'll be ones that a majority will probably just be mat, uh, button mashing combos and stuff like that sure. the other thing that was interesting is they talked about the duality of the character and uh, of Spider-Man and Peter so it'll be yeah. interesting to see how much mm. Peter is actually in the game are you going to have sections where you play as Peter and do stuff, or yeah, just I think it was Spider-Man. on. I think it was on Beyond or something recently where they mentioned that you know you can't have Spider-Man walking into a a store to buy an outfit or upgrade something. Like he can't just interact with people like you can in GTA. And it would be cool if there was a, a big element of the game that they were hiding from us, where you are Peter Parker, or you can change into Peter Parker and just kind of interact with people and find, like, do some investigating and find out things, or yeah. maybe you go into the Daily Bugle and yes, get the some, work of like, job you, so you can you, know, buy all the- you take your photos in there and and get some money for them or something like that. Would be yeah. a really cool thing to throw in there, and I don't know if it will be, but it's uh, it's an interesting idea. Hmm, definitely. Okay, so that's Spidey. Let's uh, get into some hard news. We've got actually some so politics hard. on the show <laughs> that we don't we don't usually touch on, but it is significant, touch especially on that to hard Australian stuff, uh, gamers. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. Uh, so we, we had uh, Scott Lud- Ludlum. 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 I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce Ludlum. his name because he's from WA, I think. What's <laughs> so to do with it? They're so difficult to pronounce in WA, their names. No, it's because I haven't heard his name that frequently. It's like a different country. Uh, But he's a co-deputy leader of the Federal Greens, or he was. Uh, He's perhaps the the strongest advocate for the video game industry. I'm reading from a kotaku.com.au article. But he essentially resigned from his party and left the federal parliament effective immediately due to holding... Uh, dual citizenship between New Zealand and Australia. It's apparently Damn not Kiwis. allowed. It's not in the constitution or whatever it is, which is a really strange, just bizarre turn of events for something like that in- to slip through the cracks. But he's been in Parliament for like ten years, and he's only yeah, just realizing right. now. It's not like he. It's not like he just kind of found out about this. He, he's kind of. Either the people they're not very strict with that rule, or he kind of kept it to himself. You somehow, would have thought but- somebody would have checked when he first. <laughs> tried to yeah. become a politician bloody Kiwis ruining everything yeah but anyway I guess the significance to this podcast and to the you know video game 
fan base in Australia is that he's been a really big proponent of getting federal funding into the video game industry, uh, into propping up these game dev studios and that kind of thing. So uh, he'll be someone that's missed in that regard. Mm, How significant do you guys think this will be? Yeah, it'll be... Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's not... I mean, this sort of... When it sort of happened, um, you know, I'd heard of him before. Um, funnily enough, not from anything to do with video games, but just sort of things that he's been involved with over the years. Um, but it was almost like uh, a sort of a industry-wide sort of, I don't know, cry of, of you know, like just pain. And was, everyone was just tweeting and like, oh my, this is the worst... Yeah. yeah, like, you know, this is really bad. Like, I can't believe this. And he's been so great for the industry and this, that, and the other. And um, so, obviously, he's got a... I mean, and I've done a bit of reading up on him. And seems like... And, and I, you know, I don't sort of know him, what he's like as a person. But he seems to be, like, just a good guy. Like, just to the things he's been mm. involved with and what he's sort of opposed. You know, he's always been very, like, an- anti-war and... Um, mm. not to get too political and stuff, but just the things that he's been involved with seem to be quite, um, you know, g- g- what's the word I'm looking for? Upstanding? I don't know. Yeah, like just, you know, morally sort of, <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's not, so, you know, he's, he's against big business and he's, you know, fighting for support for, you know, Aboriginal land rights and um, disarmament and, and stuff like that and, you know, being a big um, proponent for climate change and things like that so you know he's not only a loss for the video game industry and for the arts and things like that i think he used to be a filmmaker as well um but he's a loss for australian parliament as well we need as many good guys as we can get in 2017 do you know what i mean so it's um it's sad and it's stupid it seems like such a um such a insignificant little detail for someone to have to resign over considering that you don't need you know, you, you can come and go from Australia and New Zealand as you please. There's no sort of, you know, we, we might as well be the same country as far as like citizenship and things like that go. You don't need visas or anything mm. like that. You can just, you can come and you can live here and, and vice versa. So there's no restriction on most jobs as far as I know for, um, you know, for working in, in this yeah. country. I can't understand how parliament would be <laughs> different, especially when it's a dual citizenship. It's not even like he's a full New Zealand citizen. Yeah. Like, it seems kind of racist towards Kiwis, hey? <laughs> Yeah, it's bizarre, well, it's everybody, yeah. so but yeah, it, you can't yeah, have any exactly Georgia. right. I mean, it's just and it's, it's on the surface. I mean, I guess does that? I mean, if I had a, I guess, what are the like? What are the um, criteria for being a dual citizen? Because I can get like a a dual passport because my mum was born in Italy. Mm. Does that make me a dual citizen? And does that then disqualify no. me from one day being able to be in Parliament? Or is yes, I think. But no, I think Kira it does. Should know this. I do because I'm a dual citizen. What up? Um... I think it is because you can claim a citizenship because your direct parent is a citizen of Mm. the other country, but I don't think you're technically a dual citizen until you claim it. So, as long as you don't claim it, you can be a politician. Yeah, so that's bizarre. Like, if I was like, oh, I'm going to get my my dual passport, that just seems so stupid. Mm. I mean, especially if I'm born here. Like, Scott Ludlam was born in New Zealand, Zealand, so I guess that sort of, you know, maybe you could argue that case that he was not born in, in Australia, but I, I mean, no, I don't know the facts. I would have to, I'd have to look into it. This is it not seems... a politi- This is not politics explosion. Clearly. Yeah, this is, <laughs> I was going to say c- citizenship explosion. Number one citizenship politics explosion. podcast in the Oceanus. Yeah. But it's not uh, good. It, does, it just seems to be a not, a not good thing for, um, you know, for the arts and yeah. for... He was very open-minded the... in terms of, you know, video yeah. games being a legitimate industry mm. and that kind of thing. So... Any thoughts, Ash? Yeah, it's just sad. (laughs) Kind of funny, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, we can only hope that all the politicians see the outcry of everybody. Yeah. uh, And take it to heart. And hopefully that brings a bit of change in the future. Yeah. I mean, he was just one person, so he... uh, It was hard to actually find something that he had, you know, made a big impact on. But it was just that voice. It was like we had a voice representing Mm. gamers and... Well, not gamers, but the game industry as a... You know, financial lucrative. Was he the one who uh, made a big thing. deal about? Who made a speech about uh, the R rating? With uh, I think so, most likely. The, what was that game that we reviewed early in Out, the year that got banned? Outlast, Outlast Two. Yeah, yeah. I think. 
yeah, memory. Well, quite possibly. It's um. I wonder if there's probably more to the story because he seemed to just lie down quite quickly. It doesn't seem to be any kind of fight. He just he resigned and that was it. Rather there's always like, something happening behind the scenes. Yeah, Might like been coming for a while. And um, really, like is like a 22 year old is sort of replacing him. Who's going to take his seat? Um, it seems. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like he just rolled for someone who's been so, you know, strong in the way that he's you know in, in passionate in the things that he's fought for. He seems to just roll over pretty quickly on this one. Yeah, well, if something's against the rules, then it's against the rules. He probably knew that if he hadn't come out and resigned, then he would have been the centre of a leak or a scandal where, or you know... a bigger, bigger problem it, down it, the road. It hurt the party more than, than him mm. to actually do that. So, anyway, enough politics. Uh, unless, Kieran, you want to no, throw something... No, I'm good. Let's move on. You're good? Yeah, okay. <laughs> pour one out for, everyone pour one out for the homie. Yeah, that... That was just like kind of test to see, test the waters to see if we could uh, put up a, another politi- political podcast and and you probably know. something we want to do some research. Sounds on like sounds yeah. like Jack right into it. Sounds like Jack will be on there with me. Happy to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. topic to topic whatever. topic of the show. Uh, there's a little little game called Thimbleweed Park that I want to talk about. So yeah. this is an adventure game in the sense of the classic 90s style adventure point and click games that we know so well from the likes of uh, LucasArts, formerly LucasFilm uh, Games. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm excited about this because it's coming to PlayStation 4. It's, it's been on PC for a while. It's a kickstarted game from Terrible Toy Box. And the guy behind it is Ron Gilbert, who is one of the uh, OGs. He's one of the grandfathers of adventure games, along with Tim Schafer. Him and him and Tim Schafer were part of LucasArts back in the day. Maniac Mansion, Secret of Monkey Island, so many great titles that, uh, especially older gamers like me, may hold dear to them. Kieran, I believe you yeah, grew up much, with some of these games too. Yeah, they were my jam as a kid. Like they were, um, like I can remember from like maybe seven or eight where. Dad had uh, Monkey Island and Broken Sword mm-hmm. and stuff on his computer, and I used to play the crap out of them. I, I can honestly say I probably didn't understand the stories of them until I was <laughs> a lot older, but um, there was always something really interesting about them and different, which was good. Yeah, and I think that being so different from the typical, like, uh, I guess every other kind of style of game, like especially the games that we have now, it's uh, they they did a lot to introduce some mechanics that have become really common in games. So, for example, I think Ron Gilbert himself actually coined the phrase or the term cutscene because Maniac Mansion had scenes where it would cut away from the action to show uh, another scene taking place that would progress the story forward. So, just having a story in games in like you know 1989 or whenever those first games from Lucasfilm Games came out was probably not something that you could do in a way, uh, in, in as good a way as they did with the, you know, su- such a text-heavy style of game that still had, you know, a graphic element to it as well. Because there was always the text-based, you know, games back in the day, like Zorg or whatever it was, where you input the <laughs> commands. <laughs> um, but so Walk Thimbleweed... forward. Yeah. Walk forward. Thim- Thimbleweed Park is an interesting one because it's uh, taking so much inspiration from those games of yesteryear and but the pixel art in this game is second to not like the last night might be the only one that's prettier but i've seen some screenshots from thimbleweed park and it's it's been uh it's intrigued me since it was kind of first revealed quite a while ago is anyone here interested in this game as much as i am probably not no. as much as you are but pretty pretty interesting i think this now seems to be the time for adventure games because it mm. seems like Every six months, we're getting a new a remake of one of the Tim Schafer games, or yep. some yeah. sort of point and click. And there's probably, I imagine, there's like a niche uh, section of the community that's big into those sort of things that have been keeping it alive for the last couple of years. But it seems to be exploding recently. Ah, exploding! Get it? Yeah. <laughs> um, Kieran, I'm not written. No, I'm sorry, not, Jack. Oh yeah, I'm not really like this game specifically, but I do have in my like intentions of of um play i guess whatever you want to call it once i'm sort of done with crash i do want to finish off watchdogs and then i've got like in my queue all downloaded ready to go is like you know a good chunk of adventure games walking simulators point and clicks sort of mm. ready to go you know tales of the borderlands um virginia uh what's the other one with the girl 
Life is Strange. Life is Strange and a couple of other ones. Yeah. um, Everyone's gone to the rapture in that as well. So I'm sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's never been a genre that's really pulled me in. Like I really enjoyed the Walking Dead season one. I thought it was fantastic, but I was never, I was sort of happy with that story to be contained in what it was. Um, and I was I never really drawn in to go back and I only want to play um, Tales because I'm really attracted to that but that Borderlands universe and I've heard fantastic things about it. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. Mm, yeah, so that, there you go. <laughs> um, but there's um, you know there's like ones that I've enjoyed over the you know over the time. Obviously, um, Gone Home is the big one. Um, and whether you call that an adventure, I guess it kind of is. It's sort of a it, you know. It's kind of the modern version, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, that walking simulator uh, but, type, pick up the clues, mm. sort of, you know, find your way around. Um, yeah, and then there's even things like actual sunlight and things like that, which are a little bit sort of deeper. Whether you count that as an as an adventure game, it's mm. kind of more of an, an an experience. I don't know, but yeah, there's um, there's a lot out there. I think um, that this is something we can talk about, kind of the evolution of adventure games, like something like Broken Age would be the closest thing to what they used to be without being like Thimbleweed Park is a direct, you know, tie back to it. So it's interesting you mentioned Walking Dead and the walking simulators. Do you feel, Kieran, that those are the modern version of those point and click games we grew up with? I think the biggest thing that's... The biggest change in the evolution of adventure games is the, the developers started making them more accessible. Um, adventure games used to shy people away because they were a lot of the time the, the solutions to their problems were quite complex or quite obscure. Obscure. Yeah, obscure like I can remember the days of spending like a good half an hour going through <laughs> your character's inventory and trying every single possible combination just to see if it happens and something works because mm. something ridiculous would happen and it would work and that would be the solution to the problem um, yeah. and I think that kind of random quirkiness was a thing I loved but at the same thing time it was a thing that probably scared some people away whereas yeah, definitely. what is what Telltale has done and they've kind of led the way with this is they have brought the adventure game into a light where it's more like a, just a playable TV show like so many people yeah. these days love yep. binge watching TV shows they've just made a playable TV show with proper writing a good storyline characters we care about I think Yes, there have been some misses when they've done this. Like Game of Thrones, I believe, was a bit of a miss. Um, and mm. as well as I wasn't a huge fan of the Batman game as well. Oh, um, what? Oh, really? Oh, that seemed to get really good. It was sort just... Of, uh, um, I think that was probably more to do with... like That was the first time I'd ever had problems with a Telltale game with Batman. What, as, like, in te- technical? as in technical problems? Technical problems. Like, yeah, technical oh, okay, problems. Yeah. Batman was the only one I've ever had technical problems with. Um, really? You should be okay then, because I've had. I mean, not uh, for, for, from what I know. I mean, it was a struggle to get through Walking Dead season one, but everyone seems to have problems with every Telltale game. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's the thing. Yeah. Until Batman, I was like, "What the hell is everybody talking about? Everything runs yeah. fine for hmm. me." Like that was the same for me in yeah. uh, Guardians. I had like crashed halfway through Guardian one episode due to Guardians. Like I haven't gone back to Batman because it like froze at the end of episode four and then made me go all the way back to like an hour beforehand and I'm like you're oh, kidding man, I don't want to play oof. this through at the minute and I haven't gone back Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. it's, it's made it a lot more simplistic almost the adventure games where the solutions are really obvious when there's a puzzle Yeah. and the um... yeah I, I agree with that I think they've dumbed it down almost too much like the, yes. the first season of The Walking Dead there was a couple puzzles and not even really puzzles just like find the batteries for the you know for the Mm. cd player whatever the radio or whatever and that was like okay Mm. gotta kind of walk around figure out what items to use but then as as telltales evolved they have definitely become more of a just tap the response and walk around the room and find the object and just look at everything yeah and they pretty much like you said uh the batman and guardians and even um, the Tales from the Borderlands felt to me really simplistic and like I was just watching a story take place. Um, even even though they introduced some things like, you know, scanning the room and, uh, uh, you know, connecting two items or something, but there was no... It were, they weren't puzzles like they used to be and, and they were mm. way too ob- obtuse. They like choose-your-own-adventure stories. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. Mm, and yeah, they, that's you're right, they, they did um... used to be really obscure and like... 
but even LucasArts introduced the concept of having a game where the characters couldn't die because before that it used to be infuriatingly difficult in adventure games like Sierra once there's a great one the Dagger of Amon Ra it's called and there was like so many ways your character could die and it was so frustrating because if you hadn't saved for half an hour you have to replay half an hour there's no auto save nothing like that and they were just kind of brutal with it and then LucasArts introduced this concept after Maniac Mansion where it was like okay you cannot die don't have to worry about anything getting stuffed up and breaking the game and it's kind of been a natural progression since then over time to just make it easier and easier. How does everybody mm. feel about the emphasis in, on choices now in adventure games? Like, every adventure game seems to have some kind of choice. Like, it's some kind of... You have to choose A or B at every turn in the game. So, you feel like yeah. you're, you've had control over the game and you feel like you've made the choice. Where back in, like, the earlier eras of adventure games it was a narrative like it was a solid single point to point narrative of them telling a story but you had to work out how to get through it like how do you feel that emphasis as choices has had an effect on the adventure game genre i think it's been a little overstated especially like there's influence from games like mass effect and fallout where you do have a lot of choice and ways that you can approach tasks and I think that that's kind of spilled over into all, almost all kinds of, of these games. Like, I've just finished Mass Effect Andromeda, and there were points in the game where it was, like, so obvious that I was making a choice, and this choice will affect things. And I think that it's it's good because people want to feel like the story is, like, something that they're crafting themselves. But yeah. when you have it in, like, dialogue options in Persona 5 mean almost nothing there might be one point in the game where the dialogue actually changes what happens as far as i know would you agree with that Ash? yep very little <laughs> yeah it's like i didn't even read the options at one point i was just like hitting the button but i don't know if that really answers your question kieran what do you guys think no <laughs> i think you get i think it just depends on the game really uh it seems like you get crucified one way or the other if it's too linear it's too linear and then if yeah. you've got too much choice it feels like you got it doesn't really matter or anything you know but yeah it just depends on the game yeah it's a balancing act um you've got to and you've got to some games do it really well and then there's some game like there's you know just sort of take it away from the adventure game but if you look at something like horizon and you take that that choice sort of thing into an rpg format like horizons um i don't know this is a spoiler but horizons you know as far as dialogue choices and things like that had zero bearing on the game whatsoever you could literally pick anything, and it didn't didn't make any difference at all. Um, there was one trophy games... that I think it affected, but that was yeah, undoable. But... Yeah, and same it's with Uncharted Four. Um, as far as like yeah. the story of the game goes, it was insignificant. The choices that you were making. Yeah. Um, same with Uncharted Four. Those yeah. those di- they were just dialogue choices. They were just cosmetic sort of ads-ins. Whereas you got something like The Witcher, The Witcher Three, and specific conversations every single not almost every but it made it feel like every single Mm. conversation that you had every choice that you made would have some sort of impact and a lot of the time it did and it would be something that you know some random quest that you did you know very start of the game you told some guy to start to piss off or you killed some guy 30 40 hours down the track you sort of work out that I shouldn't have probably killed that dude. I kind of need him now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you were running into things and, you know, you met someone in a town who knew a guy that you spoke to three towns over and everything sort of linked up really well in that game. And any and very specific dialogue choices would significantly change the outcome of games. So it's, you know, and like Ash said, you're never going to keep everyone happy. If it's too linear, it's too linear and there's mm. no point. If you add too much choice, it's too much. It's, no one's ever going to be happy with with anything but I think it's definitely a balancing act if you can get it right somewhere in between um, you know a telltale game and a witcher then it's probably just about perfect where you're doing enough that it that you that you are making a difference to the outcome of the game mm-hmm. um, but not so much that it's you know a cop out almost um, heavy have... rain is probably the one game that that springs yeah. to mind that did it almost yeah, perfectly that did it great yeah I wanted to have a shout out as well to Life is Strange because that game does something with choices that mm. is so different compared to everybody else where... Um, Spoilers, where I don't want to know. It. I'm not going to spoil it for you because you're not in it. But through something of the game, you can see what the consequences of both choices are. And mm. that means that... It doesn't mean that like you're stuck with this choice, 
but it just means that it's just down to what you personally are morally inclined to do in the end. It's not like my biggest problem, and I think the problem is as a as a generation of gamers, we're never going to have a game like Walking Dead Season 1 ever again. I'm never <laughs> going to have that moment. The way that it felt to play it, yeah. Yeah, the way that it felt to play it and that way at the end of the game where it was like, oh crap, like everything I've done in this game has built a relationship with Clem and actually I care about this mm. pe- this pile of pixels. Like, god damn it, <laughs> stop. Um, yeah. And it's I an think- interesting, um, it's an interesting point you bring up though about that and and. I'll, I'll let you finish your point, but I'll, we'll come yeah, back. Yeah, no, it. it's and like literally, all I was going to say is we, we've been too spoiled by that game almost because then from now on we're always expecting choices to have such heavy weight, and I can guarantee mm. that some of the top YouTube comments, if you look at adventure game let's plays, is oh those choices were complete, they were just the same, just a bit different, and you're like you, you yeah. can't. People are expecting so much difference between choices, so. Mm. Um. You bring up an interesting point, though, about how that game sort of ruined all the future games for it. And there's been a lot... Just probably as, as much as the the genre has evolved over the last five or six years, even if you think about a game like Journey and a game like Abzu, and, you know, a lot of the criticisms, probably unfairly, of a game like Abzu is that it was trying to be Journey. It was, you know, we've already got Journey. We don't need this game kind of thing. Um when Journey came out and everything, it set the bar. And that, like The Walking Dead Season 1 did, it set the bar. And that's what everything, mm. everyone's aiming to hit that bar. And you'll always be disappointed because you'll never hit that bar most of the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, the, like playing some of those games, I have, I'm one of the people that's like, huh, what if I did the other choice? And like, yeah, there's re- always going to be the completionists either, who yeah. want to do everything. In the game, the first so the first two seasons of Walking them. Dead, I played twice because I wanted to see what would happen if I did the opposite of every yep. choice. And the thing that I found yep. is, you know, what it actually doesn't change that much. <laughs> it's kind of like an illusion of choice, where the you know it, it changes the flavor a little, but the the result is it, not you wholly get different. funneled in the same position. Yeah, the the, yeah. the very end the result is the same, but the it's. You know, the people who are there for the journey can be significantly different compared to, yeah. you know, depending on the choices that you make. I think that was one of the, the Walking Dead. One of the things with the like the Mass Effect three ending that people found so disheartening was that they f- believed for some reason that every single choice they made along the way would produce a vastly different ending rather than just kind mm. of a, a slightly different ending. And with that, yeah, that, that, with that thought as well, even with Walking Dead season three. Having played through all three, and I made sure I went back on my Xbox and made sure I played every season on it, there were elements of Clementine in season three where I was like, shit, that's my Clem, because I taught her that back in the first game. Like, I mm. taught her to, like, cut her hair and stuff in the first game. And it comes back up in the third game, so there is that crossover of minor things, not. But is that there for everyone? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you have a personal connection to it, even though that might be like a manufactured yes, kind of connection. Yes, definitely, definitely. But that just that just means that they've did a, they've done a good job of, yep. of making the game. <laughs> cool. So we've got time for my uh, optional topic, which I wasn't sure we would get time for. And speaking of time, I just finished Persona Five, and it took yeah. a lot of time, a lot of time. <laughs> I think my clock was. I think my clock was 140 or 150 hours. I haven't checked, but I know that at least 10, at least maybe 10, between 10 and 15 hours were probably idling or me sitting there talking to you guys on on the you know Facebook chat while the music was just running in the background um, because it's great music and sometimes you get distracted. But uh, I know some people have finished this game in like under 100 hours. I don't understand how it's possible unless you're speed running it. <laughs> how long was yours? I saw someone at 80... Uh, I think yeah. it was like 120, but Jesus. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's a long it's about game. 120 and hours to finish a game. It is. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't play another game between when it came out and like a week ago, apart from a brief stop for the Guardians of the Galaxy because I knew it was only going to be a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of one of the things I want to talk about, and it's your approach to these long games. I have to finish a game before I start another one. In ninety percent of the time, because that's kind of how I am, and I remember earlier in the year, kind of complaining to you guys about being sick of Final Fantasy fifteen, and it's too long, and it's just not 
good and I, I just want to be done with it. Hmm. Um, and finishing it and not going to do all the side stuff that was left over because of that. And I, I know that different people put different value on their time and some people will just say, if I'm not enjoying a game, I'll put it down even if I've only been playing it for like five hours, which for me, if I spend my money, I want to experience the whole thing even if I don't like it as much as I want to so that I, then I can at least talk about how I don't like it and have you know a formed opinion I compare it I guess to walking out of a movie after an hour because you don't like it and I know that a game is a lot longer than a movie so it's more understandable if you jump out of it before it's finished but how do you guys view these things have you got a lot of games you've finished halfway through? I know a couple of you mentioned Nino Cooney already, so how do you kind of justify that in your own minds? Mm-hmm. I used to be really like similar in that I have to finish this game and, and I would grind my way through it. But I got to a point where it was probably a few years ago where I just when you became I don't a dad, what the game? No, 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 no. It was well no. before that. And I'm just trying to think of the game that it was. That that was like that's I can I cannot keep playing this and be okay. Final Fantasy Thirteen. No, I never even started Final Fantasy oh, Thirteen. Okay. Um, no, it was um, it was Kingdoms of Amalur. Kingdoms yep. of Amalur Reckoning. Fantastic game. Fantastic game. I put about eighty hours into that game, and I was I just got to a point where I was like I was just tearing through it. I wasn't. I mean, the story was never anything to write mm. home about anyway. But the gameplay was fantastic, and I'd done about eighty hours, and I was over leveled and just destroying every single you know enemy that I was coming across. And I just sort of to a point where I was like, I'm I can out. play something else. Like I can play yeah. something else right now and and not feel like I can, um, you know, not feel like I, I I'm you know not getting my money's worth by playing this. And mm. and it could go both ways as well. And so I've sort of taken that. You know, if a game really, you know, bring like, in, um, like, br- like captures my attention and like I get engaged with it really heavily, like I'll finish it like all the way through and I'll power through it because I'll just enjoy it really a lot. But then there'll be games that will become a grind and I'll just like I just I'll put them away and and at the moment I'm like really frustrated because I've got like four games that I've sort of started in my catalog that I'm like I want to get back and finish them off and they're not massive long games but like I just haven't got the the desire i guess at the moment to jump back in and to finish them off i've just sort of i haven't got the urge for it but that's you know i've got battlefield 4 sitting there which isn't a long game i've got like two stories or something left in that you know i've got Watch Dogs 2 i've got final fantasy 15 and i've got crash bandicoot all games that came out you know um late last year or and started this year through to now and all games that i just can't like get through i'm mm. like you know i'm right at the end of final fantasy 15 and i'm like I've just got to get through it. You know, Watch Dogs 2, I probably haven't got that much long left in it, but I just, like, I'm just waiting. And I guess it speaks to the games as well. Like, none of these games have been, you know, have really... Yeah. yeah, like, but Final Fantasy 15 held my, um, you know, my attention and I was hooked on it for, like, 50 hours. But then it got to the point where I'm like, this is getting really samey, it's getting really grindy. I'm not like I got like I can't do this anymore. And similar with Watch Dogs, and it's just I don't know. I just I need some. I'm in the stage at the moment where I just need something like that. I just like I need another Far Cry Three or a Borderlands Two or a Max Payne Three or something that just like grabs me and pulls me in. And I'm not. I haven't got that at the moment. I feel like since Uncharted Four, I've not played a game. Even Horizon was great, but I just I've not played a game that I've wanted to like engage with like since Uncharted Four. I feel like Uncharted 4 broke me as a gamer, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, even Horizon for me too, was a struggle was to good. get through. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like Horizon... And I felt the same way after I finished The Witcher 3 and Metal Gear Solid 5. I was like, everything else is just going to seem... is just going to pale in comparison. And, and I've struggled to find, like, a game that hooks me. So, yeah, I guess that's, like, ten different it's stories. Once, yeah. One. <laughs> yeah, that's- yeah. I didn't finish Kingdoms of Amalur either, but... That's there. Shout out to that game. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was a great game. Fantastic. What about you guys? I have terrible gaming habits. I have really bad (laughs) gaming habits. I'm um, open world games and RPGs are the bane of my existence, and it frustrates me. I love them, but I hate them at the same time because I'm I'm very much a player that's like a magpie. I look at a map so and I go, so ooh, map. piece of candy. You suck. <laughs> ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. I suck if I'm a Collingwood magpie. I'm not, though. 
I say like I literally my my in I don't know why it won't be OCD but I used to do games where like GTA you just clear where, the map you, you can't leave you can't move to the next I map can't until move, you clear everything like, GTA used to know which one was the story mission but before I could do that next story mission I have to do all the side missions and then go to the story mission and then mm. keep repeat and it's ruined games mm. for me it ruined The Witcher three for me because yeah like the story like and I've been told by so many people that the side quests in that game are fantastic, but they don't matter as much as the story does to progressing the game. And I mm. always get to the point in that ge- I always get to the point in games where I almost burn myself out because I yeah. don't feel like my character's progressing. I don't feel like I'm progressing through the story because I'm spending so much time on side quests. And I do yeah. it all the time and it frustrates the crap out of me because I did no. You do it to yourself. Yeah, I do it to myself. <laughs> yeah. It's not even something. I remember uh, Fallout Four. The week that came out, I put forty hours into that game, and I've never gone back. Because, and I don't know why. Like it was honestly one of the, and I had so much fun playing it. And then I went back, and I've tried to go back a couple times. And I'm like, I can't bother. I can't bother. Like, mm. and I, and I think Fallout is actually a game I progressed pretty far in the story, which is ridiculous for me. Mm. I normally mess around and then something else comes out and I want to play something else I'm just and it, it stopped me from playing games like I really like this is this is I'm gonna get myself killed here I've never finished Kingdom Hearts 1 or 2 no man and I really no, need to I've never touched one so. I'm such a fanboy of that series but I've never finished the games and it's one of the things where up and coming next Saturday on stream I'm restarting Kingdom Hearts 1 because where can where can people watch that stream uh Twitch.tv slash Explosion Network. I'm going to restart Kingdom Hearts 1 because Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm like, I really need to play these games all the way through so I can start pretending like I could, I can understand that confusing storyline because I'm never going to understand <laughs> it. Uh, You've got like two years until Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out. Anyway, it's fine. So two years fine. is a bit... Plenty of time. Like, two years is conservative. Um, just but, December 31st next year. Yeah, I'm just... Long games, <laughs> I just find them... I have so much appreciation for them and I have so much love for fictional stories but at the same time I can't get myself through them because I get so trapped in like the minutiae and the side quests and mm. the collect-a-thongs of the maps. It's just that, what I do. That probably makes yeah. something like Life is Strange and Walking Dead really good for you because there's not anything it's side fantastic. to get Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's literally just go through and play through the game and enjoy the game and I finish those games and I'm like, yeah. And when I first bought my <laughs> PlayStation... I think the first four games of that PlayStation I platinumed. I did it straight mm. through. And it was it was weird for me because I, I platinumed like Shadow of Mordor, uh, Until mm. Dawn, uh, Second Sun, and I can't remember the other one I platinumed. Did it all in a row and then after that I'm like, I'm done platinuming games. I can't be bothered. It's too much effort. <laughs> I enjoy stories. Mm. Um, yeah, so I do it to myself, which is really weird, but I don't think... I'll be like it's one of my goals to start finishing long games or quote unquote finishing the main storyline of games. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to do sometimes. Like I just finished Mass Effect Andromeda last night, and I'm like, hmm, do I go back and do these side missions that 30 percent of people have got trophies for? Nah, I'm not feeling. It's another game yeah. I need to go back and play. It's Mass Effect yeah. Andromeda. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's funny you bring that up, Kieran. I'm exactly the same with like the the, the checklist sort of games and clearing the maps. And um, I was Max. the same with with The Witcher okay. Three. Like I, I got to Skellige and I I cleared the entire like map before you get there. Um, I forget what they call that sort of um, country, but I, I cleared that map pretty much for everything that you could get to for like the level that I was at. And I got to Skellige and it was like. This whole another like map just as big opened up, and I'm like, fuck. And I Question love that game so everywhere. much. Yeah, I'm like, that game is like one of my favorite games of all time. And I was like, I can't. I'm gonna. I'm and I was like, I remember thinking to myself, I burnt myself out on this game. Like that, when it opens up again and all those question marks pop up, you go, fuck me. Mm. Now I've got to do all of that again, <laughs> and it becomes like a chore. And I made the conscious decision to be like, okay, I'm only going to do the side quests that specifically link to the main storyline. Mm. And the rest of the shit, like a random dude I walk past in the fucking streets and the the bounties and stuff like that. I'm not worrying about yeah. any of that. I'm just doing the main the main quests and the side quests that mattered to the storyline. And I got through it, and it was the best fucking decision I ever made because I would have never finished that game otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I had um, to get to a point where I was like, no treasure hunts, 
don't need to do the treasure hunts. Mm. No, yeah. I'm not going to get on a boat and go to every single island in Skellige because it's going to yeah. take like five hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's why I love the Far Cry games so much because I think the balance... Of, and Ubisoft are sort of the masters at the checkbox sort of open world game. Um, but in the Far Cry games, I never feel like there's too much to do with side quests and, and different missions mm. and checkboxes and collectibles and stuff like that. It's always just the perfect amount. Um, you know, the outposts and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, Assassin's it's Creed added added too much of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's a trap you can fall down quickly, especially if you're that OCD like Kieran and myself. My OCD for Assassin's you? Creed was like, climb up a tower, reveal the map, jump down, do all the side missions, move to the next tower. And I wouldn't mm. play the story until I did it for the whole city. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah. yeah. I don't mind it. That that it's not as bad nuts. when it's like, when you can do the, like the fog of war and you can work through the fog of war a little bit with like, you know, the little bit of the map opens up and you can sort of see that bit of the map. You're like, okay, you move to the... Like Horizon was quite good for that in that you could, um, you know, it, it would... You could just sort of work on the area that you'd open, mm. like you'd made accessible, yeah. I guess, or viewable on the, on the world map, um, which I think is a good tool for open world sort of games to use. What about you, Ash? Where do you sort of... Yeah, I'm pretty similar to you guys. I, I'm notoriously bad at finishing games i don't think i in my youth there was like a ton of games that i never ended up finishing mostly because mm. i wasn't very good yeah. uh, so <laughs> kingdom hearts i'd end up well. in just not being not being good enough to beat the boss and stuff It'll, yeah. i think at the end of nino kuni i was just sort of under leveled to be there that's why and i just didn't feel like going back and grinding mm. to get up to that but like i I only got past like the first section of The Witcher and I sort of just dropped off. Or got, <laughs> I'm like halfway through Tomb Raider, Rise, Rise of the Tomb Raider and I got caught up in something else. And yeah. yeah, I'm also like, I've like got to the very last section of Mad Max, I'm pretty sure, but <laughs> and like cleared almost everything else off the map. <laughs> so Sounds yeah, like I'm, I'm the only guy that finishes games. <laughs> That's yeah. the worst feeling though, isn't it? When you do all of that and you just get to, and you just can't keep going with it, but you like you know you've only got like I'm in like the I think I'm in like the second last chapter of Final Fantasy 15. I put so much time into it, yeah. and I like I just, there's not long left. Just power through, but you just it's just such a fucking grind. Yeah, you just get to the point where you want to put power through the Sorry, story, yeah. which is what happened for like. What, that's what happened for me and Horizon and uh, Persona. It just started powering through the story and that sort of got me back into the game. Mm. So then you can always go yeah. back and clear all those extra stuff later. That's right. If you've got the drive to do it after finishing the story, you always yeah. can these days. And I should finish the discussion saying I did enjoy Persona, even though I was complaining about it taking so long. <laughs> um, I even yeah. got a, l- a little bit emotional towards the end after the final final boss. Oh, yeah. It was after very... The boss. Yeah, just great. on Persona Four, where would you? How would you rank it against Persona? Uh, sorry, Persona Five. How would you rank it against Persona Four? It's very similar in that it's, it just feels like the modern version of it. Like they just updated a lot of the you know mechanics and the graphics and everything's kind of a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more evolved than Four. Uh, wh- what do you think, you, Ash? Like story story wise, how would yeah. you compare it? Like which has the better story? Do you think? Ooh. I think Four had something more intriguing in that there was a mystery throughout the whole game that reeled you in a bit more than five what do you think ash i never played four so oh right okay i i, I have no opinion but yeah i, I, I mean, enjoyed the story i mean it sort of built up and uh yeah. a lot of complaints a certain complaint that came up before when the game first got released sort of played itself out sorry jack it got resolved <laughs> it made story sense <laughs> which complaint was that i'll tell you offline is it a spoiler okay (laughs) sorry listeners uh but but yeah i mean like in some ways because i've played four not too long ago a couple years ago like a lot of the characters in five felt like different versions of the same archetypes in in some sense and so in that sense it was very familiar and very kind of samey but i think it's a it's a great game, and if it wasn't 120 hours, I would highly recommend that you play it. I just know that you wouldn't finish it. So, oh God, or if you're on a budget, so bad. I want it's to play the it so reason bad. I, I haven't the... played it. Is it? Are you yeah. able to stream can... it yet? Are you able to stream that game yet? No, no. You can play like oh, really? you so. can play up to a certain point. You can stream up yeah. to a certain point. Really? And you can't stream they anymore. extended that point. <laughs> God damn yeah. it! I'll I'll wait until um I'll wait until we, it's re released on Vita two. and then i'll jump into it because that was the best thing about persona is yeah at the time when i was playing persona 4 
I was like, it was the first game I, no, sorry, it wasn't, that's a lie. It was like the second or third game I'd played when I first got my Vita. Um, and it was like, it was in a point in time in my life where I was, like, um, I was going from, I had no child at this point. I was taking public transport for like yeah. two and a half hours a day to and from work, play it in bed, playing it on my lunch break, sneaky like pull it out and do a couple of like fusions of the personas under my desk at work and stuff like that so it was um it was at a point in time where i could like you know sink three hours into it during the middle of the day and then like put a couple hours in in bed like as i'm going home like as i'm and that sort of i think helped me get through persona 4 because i think persona 4 similar i think i put like 120 odd hours into that so um yeah I, th- I played a lot of it on remote play. It felt really good. Yeah, I might I think look into that. Mm. Yeah. Might give me a reason it. to pull my Vita back out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to Every Trophy Counts, the segment of the show where we I had a look at PSN profiles. We've got super hot dropping onto the PlayStation. And super hot VR as well. Oh, snap. Really? And super hot VR, yes. I feel like that's been dropping for ages. It came out on PC, uh, I believe, either last year or at the start of this year. It's fantastic. Give me the the elevator pitch on super hot. Um, Sir, can I do this, Jono? Is it cool? Yeah, go take it. it. So pretty much, um, you're a a hacker that goes into a simulation. Time only moves when you move your character. Right. So... Like, you can, like, grab guns out of midair, shoot somebody, throw the gun, th- grab a knife out of midair, throw the knife at somebody else, and, like, dodge bullets and stuff in, like, Matrix slow motion. Mm. And there's, yeah, cool. like, different levels all based around getting used to that timing and, like, the the like one of the missions you're stood behind a bar and you've got to fight through a shootout. But the start of the mission, you have to, like, grab a gun flying at you at midair. So, awesome. it's a lot of fun, the- and I hear playing it in VR is fantastic. So, I like uh, the aesthetic. I'm just looking at some screenshots. I like the aesthetic of it. Yes. It sort of looks like first yeah, person. It's pretty cool volume. visuals. Yes. No, it's very good. It looks very mm. good. I would, yeah, I would re- highly recommend anybody pick it up, especially okay. if you have a PSVR. Check it on a PSVR because yeah. it would be another one of those games that would work really so, well in VR. Interesting, they've got different trophy lists. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The um, I'll just read out what we've got here. PS4 version has 9 bronze, 11 silver, 6 gold, and a platinum. Ooh. PSVR has 12 bronze, 6 silver, and seven gold, so it's got five less, five less silvers on the PSVR, but one extra gold. Wait, is it two uh, different games? Like, do you have to buy? A... Yeah, two different. I think yeah. it is. So you it have to be. buy it on VR and buy it. Mm. Ooh, okay. Well, I don't know for sure. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, and one of these it... gold trophies for the VR version is complete the game in one sitting. So, good luck <laughs> with that. It's not too yeah. bad. It's actually not a long game. It'd be. Yeah. Would that include like rest mode, which you know might make it a lot easier? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Sure but yeah, it, I there, thought it was interesting that there's such a different trophy list between the two of them being the same game. So they must have mm. really tailored it towards the PSVR element, which is cool to see. Yeah, it is. I agree. Yeah. All right, and uh, the other one I wanted to talk about was Rugby League Live Four from yes. Big Ant Studios. Uh, Ash, are you interested in this game? Yes, I am, and it looks like a manageable list in comparison to the other. Australian sports game that we talked about yeah. in an earlier episode. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. We, and we may we may or may not be covering this game. Stay tuned to find out. Yeah, cool. We probably uh, will be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I looked at the list and it actually looks fun. Like some of those trophies, taunt and score a try with the same player, keep your opposition scoreless on legend difficulty, get a career rookie promoted to team captain, represent state of origin, stuff like that. It, it makes it look like there's a lot of cool stuff to do in this game. It makes it look like there's some challenges that will keep people playing beyond just, you know, the season modes or versus modes or whatever. So is that what you thought when you saw it, Ash, as well? Yeah, having a look, it's not unrealistic. Like, you don't have to score a ton of goals or complete unrealistic... 400 matches or something. 400 matches or something, it seemed like, in the AFL, so... Win three Uh, grand finals in a row on super hard difficulty without losing a game while being behind in the third quarter in the preliminary final. Jesus. Jack, you got some salt. And playing with the Bulldogs. (laughs) 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 We broke them again, guys. (laughs) Cruising out. The actual list is 15 bronze, 11 silvers, 5 gold, and 1 plat, which is They've cool. They've got to make it, it easy like a... for these rugby league... Yeah. They are kind of simple. Just check out Buddy Watson. Yeah, it's 11 yeah. It's eleven silvers. I like that. And uh, 
it's seventy dollars on Oz Game Shop. Pretty good deal there if you're interested. Check it out. Uh, it's pretty soon as well. So it's yeah, it's 20th, like two yeah. weeks. Twenty fifth in 28th? on the twenty twenty first. No, sorry, that's uh, super hot. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's on the twenty fifth. Yeah, it's very soon. Anyway, it's very soon. And uh, as I mentioned earlier about Thimbleweed Park, I haven't got the trophies here, but I did tweet at Ron Gilbert, and he said there is a platinum for it. So that's pretty great. Get that get into that. Yeah, twenty eighth for rugby. I, as long as it doesn't require like multiple playthroughs. Yeah, I think they'll be smart enough to avoid that. I played Broken Age and got the platinum for that. You had to do a speed run in like finish the game in two hours or something, and it took me like five goes because <laughs> you had to do it, you had to do everything like perfect. It wasn't five, but it was it was yeah, it was a lot. Ah, very good. I think that's it for the week. Thanks for listening. Uh, where can people find you, Ash? You can find me on Twitter at Ashley Hobley, A S H L E Y H O B L E Y. Kieran. Uh, you can find me at your boy Ringo on Twitter and check out twitch.tv slash Explosion Network for all the streaming goodness. Mm, what are we streaming this week? Uh, this week we've got Player Unknown on the PC, we've got Kingdom Hearts, uh, and we have the Mario Kart Open Invitational. So come and hang out Thursday night and uh, play some Mario Kart and tell me I suck. <laughs> Jack, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cruzy underscore mate. Uh, I'll also be on YouTube uh, from now until the end of time at Cruzy Mate. Very good. And you can find me That's always convenient. on Twitter <laughs> at Jono himself. Uh, probably only until I die, not in, for the rest of the time. Unlike Jack. I am not immortal. No commitment. And uh, you can follow, <laughs> you can follow the, the uh, Explosion Network itself on Twitter at Explosion Pod. Do we have an email we want to plug or are we just going to leave it at that? Yeah, you can, you can send us an email if you like at mail at explosionnetwork.com we got some fancy new exclusive mm. uh, email addresses so we're moving up in the world of that. make of that what you will <laughs> until next week plat 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 wow that's a tremendous looking trophy